definitely. We said about building diversity and equity from the ground up and starting with early music education and how that can shape social change leading, moving forward, I think was definitely re really powerful. I'm wondering what changes do you think, I know, I mean, we've both been in West, the Western school system for a long time and they have a music curriculum. They're known for having an amazing mu music program, but are there any changes that you think um, you'd, you'd like to um, see be made to music edu education curricula as early as elementary school or middle school um, that would better incorporate cultural diversity and promote maybe a more inclusive understanding of classical music's history and evolution because I think a lot of people talk about classical music being whitewashed so to speak or to not or you know in music education when you're in fifth grade you're not getting the entire story of um, whatever the Bach you're playing in orchestra so um, I don't know what changes do you think could be made there so that people are growing up with a more comprehensive understanding of classical music as a whole and not just the Western aspect of it. Yeah, a lot of people know classical music to kind of be dominated by a lot of dead white guys. <laughs> and there's a lot of work being done to change that and a lot of important work, especially. And so, you know, there's all these, with Sphinx especially has um, programs with the Sphinx Empower Artist Grant, which I was awarded this past year, that kind of allow for uh, these composers to be brought into the spotlight and a uh, very famous composer today Jesse Montgomery who's taken off these last few years she's a product of uh, the Sphinx I believe I forget the name of the quartet but she's a, the product of a uh, really important quartet of Sphinx and like she has been kind of very side by side growing with the organization and so it's just very important to not only be programming this kind of work uh, from female and underrepresented composers in every kind of regard, but it's it's especially important to be also including that I think in audition lists. And so, this past year, NYO USA decided to change some of the audition excerpts that they have kids learn all the time because you know, typically you're gonna be open up an audition list and just expect to see some Beethoven there right. or some Brahms or uh, some Strauss or anything, and. Uh, this year they changed it, and so I think this year I'm going to be learning uh, part of uh, Jesse Montgomery's Strum piece, which is mm -hmm. a famous piece and uh, famous chamber piece. And the cello part, they're taking a part of it that to, to test my abilities, and at the same time they're opening up my eyes to a new work that maybe I haven't had as much access to. Mm -hmm. And uh, with all instruments they're doing this, and so they're looking at uh, works by Price, uh, works by Coleridge-Taylor, and just kind of open up these doors to uh, make sure that everyone's music is heard because just as we need to make sure that the concert halls are filled with uh, a diverse population that reflects the population of our country, we also should be making sure that the music we listen to, and that goes for classical music as well. And so uh, actually my conductor in BYSO, he's pretty infamous for not believing in this. It's kind of... <laughs> And that we, we make jokes about it, that uh, there is a Zoom informational session where someone asked him, uh, hey, Fed, what, what's, what, what happened with, uh, why are we not doing any works from underrepresented composers? And he went on a long tangent about <laughs> how it's not good for our education. Right. And it was, but, you know, it's, it's, it's important to be keeping it because it is very good for our education because it's the, it's the future and it's everything. It's involving everyone. It's mm -hmm. something that it's important for our education to be able to play everyone's music and not just the same type of people and so um, it's just it's important to be continuing to make sure that everyone who contributed to the genre is is honored as such 
and that we're not leaving anybody out of the picture. Right. I think that that's a really good answer. I think I'm, I'm curious about shifting the conversation about diversity from composition to the performers themselves, people sitting on the stage. And, you know, this might, I think it seems like maybe like a, an obvious question, but I think there's definitely some nuance to it. Um, like one could ask, you know, why does it matter what the musician looks like or what the background, like what, what background the musician comes from if they're all playing the same music? Like if they're playing Beethoven, if they're playing a more, you know, music from a more um, underrepresented background, why does it matter what the actual people on stage playing it look like? Um, so I guess I'm wondering just why does diversity in terms of the musician matter? In the current state of classical music right now, you can imagine that we're kind of on a path and the only way to make sure that, um, that these diverse voices are being heard is not only to, to kind of change what path we're on, but to completely like do a 180, just turn. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of, uh, it's, it's, not it's not easy by any means to be able to uh, kind of go against the grain, but it's so important. And so that's what makes it so important for these uh, institutions to start putting this in the forefront of their mission. And to, because it's just, it's so important because if we don't do anything, we'll just continue to walk down the same path that mm -hmm. we've been on forever. And so it's not something that will gradually over time change on its own. It's something that we truly have to put everything into to make sure that we can make some kind of progress mm -hmm. and over time with uh, repeated effort. But it's not just that. Uh, as I've said many times in this conversation, it's like the rep we need to be able to represent the, all the voices in the kind of art that we're producing right. and that we're uh, digesting. And that, that goes for composition and for performance. Mm -hmm. And so it's just to think that, you know, the concert halls could stay the way that they are with the same kind of demographics, you know, uh, and never really change. But mm -hmm. if there's some kind of change, if there's some kind of external forces, forces such as these organizations uh, to kind of bring about this change, then, you know, the battle will be won over time but it's not something that's gonna change on its own. So it's not something to be passive about. But mm -hmm. um, with all these organizations, they're just trying to achieve that one thing. For sure. I think when we're talking about representation, whether it's in terms of um, a composer or the people on stage or the conductor, um, I think an important question to ask is how we distinguish between tokenization just for the sake of you know political correctness or looking good um, versus actual broad access and participation in classical music. Um, so for an example, if an orchestra has like a black composers month or a women's a women's music you know mu women's music month where all of the music is composed um, by a woman or conducted by a woman, which is also something non-traditional, is that like how much how much of an impact is that making and what's the difference between just like having having a, having a, a token diversity piece or a, you know, a token diversity conductor versus actually changing and impacting long-term the classical music space. It's so important because um, as with any art that we digest, the kind of, it's, it's not always just about the art itself. A lot of the times, um, you know, what kind of art you want to digest is influenced by uh, your own background and your own upbringing. And so it's important that everyone out there in the world has some kind of uh, way to relate to classical music, something that's so important, such as classical music. Mm -hmm. And if the concert halls are staying the way that they are, if the orchestras are the same, uh, if the, then the audiences will follow. The audience will uh, will uh, stay the same kind of elitist mm -hmm. uh, white right. audience that we all 
picture classical music to be. And so the way to kind of uh, make classical music something that everyone can love and enjoy. And uh, actually, uh, one of my conductors, Ben Zander, he always, he always says that everyone loves classical music, just some people haven't found out about it yet. Mm. And so it just gives everyone an opportunity to uh, find out about this thing that is a universal a song, a universal uh, truth that everyone can uh, connect to. And the way that people will connect to it will be different. People will always have different life circumstances and upbringings, but that's a beautiful thing that right. everyone is able to connect to the same song in a different way, right. the same phrase in a different way. And so um, it needs to be a genuine impact. It needs mm -hmm. to be a genuine uh, effect, and just making sure that it's not just something that's done for image but right. something that generally is changing the community and changing the world and you think by changing the people who are playing the music on stage or the person conducting the music on stage that also draws a different audience it helps the people like you said the people who maybe haven't discovered that they like classical music yet realize that there is a space for them in the in the classical music community it changes the face of classical music entirely which mm -hmm. changes how it's perceived which changes how it's digested and um it just is allowing all these wonderful works and some wonderful works that we don't even know about yet that have been kind of forgotten about due to the demographics of the of the composer uh, over history. It's so important that we're finding these lost treasures and sharing them with everybody because uh, it's something that desperately needs to be shared. And um, as with any art, it's it's obviously it's obviously a uh, subjective. It's not something that everyone can agree on, but everyone can agree on that everything needs to be shared and that right. everything needs to be kind of available for the listener. And uh, it's the end goal is always just making sure that more people fall in love with classical music. Yeah. I was wondering, um, in all of your experiences throughout these programs that you've done and also just solo pieces that you might have played from more underrepresented um, backgrounds of composers, do you have any examples that come to mind of a composer or musician or just a certain piece um, specifically from an underrepresented background who, um, you know, a composer who has made a significant contribution to the genre or maybe it's a piece that you've played that, um, that you think has really impacted you in a certain way? Yeah, so I actually partook in uh, the Sphinx competition a few times and the first time I ever uh, put in an application, you know, I obviously didn't get through, <laughs> but my application, they always have you... Uh, they always have you learn a piece by an underrepresented composer. And so for the, for the piece, I chose uh, Villalobos, The Song of the Black Swan, mm -hmm. and uh, it was one of my first times really encountering and uh, falling in love with a piece that's not made by a white guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, it was such a cool experience to find all the recordings online, to just get to know it, to really become intimate with it. And especially with, like I had a lot of experience playing the swan at the time. Mm -hmm. I had never played the song of the black swan. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it's a beautiful piece. If you haven't heard it, uh, definitely go check it out. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just, it was, it was awesome to be able to learn that as a requirement for an application. And so it was just, I think that's why adding in these kind of underrepresented works in the audition repertoire lists is mm -hmm. also very important. Right. In terms of composers who are, um, like, do any, do any people in particular come to mind for composers or conductors in the space right now who are really a driving force um, behind 
the, the, the um, increased equity in the classical music space. Jesse Montgomery definitely comes to right. mind. Jesse Montgomery is, I actually was studying at, uh, at the Sphinx Performance Academy at the, when I got to stay at the Juilliard School for two weeks. I got to study with one of her colleagues, uh, Carlos Rodriguez, mm -hmm. and he was the cellist in their chamber group where uh, Jesse Montgomery was playing as well. And he just had such a strong and uh, he has so many great things to say about her and how wonderful she is and she's really truly taken off uh, incredibly like she's such a big name now you mm -hmm. go to a lot of different concert halls she's been played in Carnegie Hall in, uh, in Chicago and in, in uh, Boston everywhere and so she's truly an inspiration and the coolest thing is that she's kind of a product of one of these organizations so Sphinx had a really big part in establishing her and she had a big part in establishing Sphinx mm -hmm. and that kind of goes to show what an impact these organizations can have. Definitely. I think a note that I want to end on is asking if um, I know aside from the organizations that you've talked about that you've been part of which is awesome are there any exciting exciting initiatives or projects happening in you know just the broader classical music world that celebrate cultural diversity and offer opportunities for musicians from diverse backgrounds to showcase their talents like for example if someone's listening to this um, and they're a composer from an underrepresented background um, are there any are there any initiatives or projects right now happening that are that are working to boost up their voices how can someone listening to this who might um, feel like they're facing barriers to getting their music heard or if they're um, and, and uh, a performer who feels like there are barriers to actually, you know, getting on stage. What kind of what kind of opportunities are there right now for that? Yeah, so I think a great place to start is, uh, you know, certainly all the organizations that we've discussed so far mm -hmm. today, and uh, especially Equity Arc is very new, mm -hmm. very new. It's I think in its second year, and there's a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of programs that are being started with Equity Arc mm -hmm. that you know, you don't see in Sphinx or uh, El Sistema or anything else. Uh, and so Equity Arc is a really promising organization. I've actually, uh, I'm going to be starting an internship with them wow. uh, sometime soon in the future. They're getting really started, like a super small uh, workforce there. But um, they're great people, and they're kind of opening the doors to even, new, even uh, newer uh, initiatives that we haven't seen before. So I'm sure in 20 years, the landscape of everything will look even more different. And so, I mean, for the time being, you can definitely go on Google and just look through the Sphinx webpage. That's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. um, there's organizations in uh, every, uh, in most major metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to San Antonio, they have San Antonio uh, Youth Rising Stars, I believe mm -hmm. is the name. I have uh, some friends there. Uh, Chicago, they have one, I forgot the name there, uh, they have one in Baltimore, uh, Nashville, they, it's called Crescendos, and so if you're nearby a city, chances are there's something out there, um, and opportunities kind of crescendo from there. So <laughs> opportunities, when I got started with Project Step, that kind of opened the door because someone was like, did you hear about Boston Beam? Mm. Then I applied to there, then someone over there was like, have you heard about Sphinx? You can go to Juilliard School this summer. What about you send an application? And so it just kind of snowballs. Mm -hmm. And so you definitely just have to uh, get your foot in the door and look for whatever opportunity there is to start. And uh, there's plenty of opportunities on the national and international level to follow from there. So you, there'll always be something else to, to look for. And hopefully in the coming years, there'll be even more. That's really amazing. I'm curious before we wrap things up, 
I know you talked about an internship you're going to start. Um, it'd be really cool if you could talk about like what, are, what an internship in the, in the classical music space or diversity in classical music space looks like and just what does the future of, um, you know, what does the future of classical music look like for you? Where are you going um, with this in the future? Um, like throughout college, are you, are you planning to pursue similar, similar programs and just what does your involvement look like um, in the, on this endeavor in the future? Yeah, so with my work with Equity Arc, uh, in the months following the Cincinnati experience, I was really touched by Equity Arc and uh, all the work that they had done in my life and how many f- great friends I got to meet that I saw at NYO later and everything. And uh, Equity Arc is like really small, but and so I have no idea where everything is going to go. And they kind of told me just like, we're figuring things out right now and like, we'll we'll call you up when we need some help with some things. Mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I think I'm, I personally am just trying to keep as much of myself into this world as possible and just stay as involved, make as many friends as possible and just have as many amazing experiences with these programs as possible because they've really enriched my life in so many ways. And so I am thrilled to continue in college, uh, whether or not I continue to study music as uh, you know, a degree or major, uh, which I'm still very much considering. I'm going to keep all these organizations in in the back of my mind and continue to do work with them. And, you know, my uh, the student manager for Boston Beam, she actually decided to go and do a dual degree a few years ago at uh, Hopkins and Peabody in the years after she graduated from high school. And then she's actually planning to she went and got a. a doctorate I believe at Harvard and she's planning to go into the education field now and so she's doing something completely outside of music but she just wanted to still be connected with that world and so that's why she decided to do work with Boston Beam and she was our chaperone on the Cincinnati trip and she's an excellent wonderful leader and so I know that she's going to change and rock the education world but it's great that she's also keeping her foot in the door and just Uh, staying involved with what kind of had such a profound effect on her upbringing that's awesome yeah i'm really i'm really excited to hear about how music has enriched your life and then also that there are people like you and your friend who are looking to enrich the classical music space and the education space and so that's really amazing and i'm I'm so glad we had the chance to talk today thank you so much Ava. this is great yeah thanks caleb